future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Yes, indeed. Indeed, we are back. We are back. Yes, I took a little uh, hiatus there for a bit. Uh, needed to get away with the family. Uh, the kids had a couple days off. Uh, so we are now back in the, I don't know, studio seat, I guess we call it. Yeah, here we go. It is Friday, February 25th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Podcast. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week, we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And today, I am joined once again, right, by AB Connect. Yes, my Bucks County Pravda co-conspirator. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for the moniker, Andy Meehan. I appreciate it. Uh, Works really well. Thank you so much. Yes, you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Right, head on over to patreon.com slash RC Press. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, right, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. You can also do us a favor if you listen to this podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, right, iTunes, whatever it might be, make sure you give us a five star rating over there. Uh, it really helps us um, get the show seen, uh, which is fantastic. Hey, Emily, yes, comrade. <laughs> Welcome to join. Fantastic. On today's show, uh, now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were going to come back and we have Amy back on to talk about uh, kind of UBI. Um, we had mentioned a little bit with the experiment that's happening in Philly. Um, she's done some research and background on some programs in the country. Um, we're going to do that as a separate show um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, we got a little bit of a late start today. I, I apologize for that because it's been, we've got an ice storm here in Bucks County. Uh, my power's been on and off this morning. My kids had a two-hour delay, um, and I just don't want to give that any kind of short shrift so we're gonna have her back on we're gonna focus particularly on that that's reason number one reason number two is because it's been a shit show of a week <laughs> i mean you've got uh russia invading ukraine right um which is i mean I, I mean i'm just beginning to process that um you have that then secondly right on wednesday right um the Penridge, Penridge School Board has this subcommittee called the Community, the Community Committee, right? And um, it went completely off the rails, right? They stopped recording it. People were standing up, left the meeting. Um, so we're going to get into a little bit about what happened there, right? And we're going to actually give you the sound um, for um, that led to the complete disruption. And we're going to walk you through that a little bit. So, hey, if you're looking for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show. Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. Look, head on over to ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. Uh, he's got a daily show now on Free Speech TV. Um, he's just kind of knocking it out of the park. Do check him out. 
And it's official. Season two of Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast is flooding the streams. Yes, you can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And I should say, as another shout out to that, Politics Mom is back over there on TikTok letting you know about the specifics and nitty gritties of what you need to do for this election season. Uh, she's got a new TikTok up um, on, uh, you know, the petition day. Petitioning now has just started for getting candidates on the ballot for the May 17th primary. So do check them out. All the information is over there at, at the Night Caucus. Make sure you follow them at, at the Night Caucus on Twitter because, look, these amazing PA women that stirring the plot of political cauldron behind the podcast just rock the house. Go check them out. And attention gamers, the Game Inn is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, active figures, Funko Pops, you got it. And kids get a discount with every on the report card. I mean, how can you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at the Game Inn. That's with two N's. Um, if you got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get, just shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a special shout-out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at Man. That's at Man with two N's on Twitter. Well, you know, here we are, and uh, I can't believe um, that what's going on here. So on today's show, we're really going to kind of dig into what's happening in Ukraine, what happened in the Pembroke School District. We're going to look at some context and things like this. Um, I can't think of a a better person to have to kind of talk all through this through. Amy, welcome back to the show. Hi, how you doing? Uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) one of those, uh, one of those days and one of those weeks. I mean, seriously, I mean, you start, start the week with the Russian like invasion of Ukraine and then locally here, I end it with like, my car won't start. There's a, there's an ice storm. My power's going on and off. My kid's got a two hour delay. I feel like, like I'm in the middle of some kind of like, like, you know, I don't know, tempest that I'm not quite aware of. So I don't know. I guess you know we talked about this a little as kind of um, um, preparing for the show and stuff. And I was thinking, like, man, just this stuff that's happening in Ukraine is. I just like would love to have the opportunity just to kind of talk through it, right? Just to kind of like see what is kind of going on here. Um, yeah. And it's just and to try to tease out some things. And look, I, I'll I'll tell you everybody. Like, if you're listening to this this podcast right now, I'll tell you right now. If you're looking for just kind of like definitive hot takes, you're not going to get them today. Okay. Um. I mean, I think this is really a kind of complex, and I'm just kind of kind of interested in talking about it. So, w- w- just walk me through kind of your experience of this week with this Amy and things that are kind of going through your head about what's what's going on here with uh, this Russian invasion. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, we all saw this coming. Um, The reports that were coming out of, you know, Washington and then out of Russia stating that, you know, this there wasn't going to be an invasion or anything like that, I think was was totally just I I, I don't know how I, I okay. so I know that I guess Washington was being was trying to not be like an alarmist, right? Not being like, oh, my gosh, like they're totally going to invade. Like it's going to be a, a complete disaster. But you have Putin who was amassing troops. I mean, if you look at the maps that right. were being put up by CNN and, and the New York Times and all these different news outlets, um, you see like, I mean, the country is being surrounded, right? Like on the eastern side. So I would have been surprised if Putin had not invaded. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, and 
it's been interesting listening to I've been kind of trying to track down um, kind of Ukrainian journalists and some people that are kind of on the ground in Ukraine, um, oh, nice. you know, just for another perspective. There's also a great uh, website that I'll um, I'll I'll plug a little bit later on um, if I can find the link for it. So everyone knows it. Um, there's been so much disinformation that's been coming out um, mm-hmm. that it's, you know, I would urge everyone to have caution <laughs> in terms of what goes on, because. Um, you know, there's, there's people that are posting stuff, of uh, like supposed kind of uh, like e- explosions, but turns out they were actually from Lebanon. They weren't from what was going on here. There's misinformation being like flooding streams from, um, the, the Russian propaganda machine. So the BBC has got a great, um, I, they actually have a, a misinformation or disinformation unit as part of the, D- the BBC where they've been kind of breaking some of this stuff down. They've been doing a really good job of it. Um, and so like a super, super appreciate that stuff because i think that you know so much of what was leading up to this uh you could see everything once you kind of track putin's statements and what russia was saying what was coming out of their official statements before this i mean it's so clearly 100 percent blatant just absolute lies yeah right? and complete yeah. kind of misinformation and so the, it's on un, it's unclear about you know okay did 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 say, you know, the U.S., whatever we mean by that, right? Did these kind of official U.S. politicians and leaders, did they actually expect it going in a clear, you know, I thought it was kind of an interesting move on the Biden administration's part to kind of say, this is the intelligence we have, right? But not urging for like, you know, military action to say, we're going to share this and put this out there in the world. It was kind of an interesting tactic. But the other thing on the, you know, when I was listening to some of the folks um, from kind of Ukraine, um, you know, like, there was a lot of them that were just kind of in disbelief, right? Mm-hmm. They're even kind of saying like, look, you know, we expected there to be kind of an attack, right? That was kind of pretty clear. We've been having an active conflict with Russia for seven years now, um, eight years now. Um, but they were even sort of taken surprise at the sheer scale of it. I mean, there was bombings across the country, wiping out the entire kind of military infrastructure. It was pretty, and my understanding is right now they're moving to surround uh, Kiev right now too as well. Yeah, they, um, I listened this morning. There was, I guess at some point the Russians or a Russian unit had uh, uh, taken over an airport right outside, right outside of the city. Um, but I guess then it was retaken by the Ukrainians. So I know that that's probably like a really strategic spot. Um, like on NPR this morning, they were talking about because if if the Russians are able to get a hold of that airport right outside the city, obviously they're going to use it as a base for landing, um, you know, planes and and bringing in equipment and more men. Right. Right. Uh, and it's just it's just crazy. And I think that, you know, what's very interesting to me, too, is that you've got. Um, you have Western unity, as it's being called. Right. You've got the NATO countries and areas that are all on the same page. They're all in this together and so on. And now they're instituting sanctions. But it's kind of unclear um, what that is going to do other than actually really hurt you know, say the Russian people in the long, in the long run. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been interesting listening to some of the media coverage um, where they're asking kind of officials, not just in the U S but I've been watching a lot of BBC um, where they're asking these kind of, you know, officials, Western powers basically saying, okay, those sanctions, but you've said yourself, it's going to take some time to work. (laughs) Right. Meantime, like Russian tanks are you're like closing in on Kiev and are kind of invading for the country. What other, if the sanctions don't work, then what? And they're like, 
stymied at that point <laughs> you know yeah well that's and that's that was brought up at the press conference yesterday there was that biden press conference i caught por a portion of it and and uh, that's what uh, like it seemed to be the number one question from the journalists was you know about the sanctions what are they going to do um you know and then like basically like what if they don't work and there was really right. no i mean i don't think that they even if they had a reply i don't think they're going to give it <laughs> um but i mean this is definitely something that is is been unprecedented, I think, you know, um, Ukraine is not a part of NATO. It's not a part right. of it doesn't have the same kind of protections as other countries do. Um, this is just a lot of gray area, I think. And, and it does. And it's, it's so unfortunate because the people that are going to suffer aren't you know, Americans so much as the people of the Ukraines, like the people of the EU are going to suffer in their pockets. But are they losing their lives? You know, are they losing their homes? <laughs> Yeah, 100 percent. I got a little here's a little clip from uh, this is from the Rick Smith show um, um, last. I think it was from last night. And I think that this is kind of this cuts to the uh, cuts to the chase on the issue. Here's Rick. Because what we're seeing is a rich guy pushing poor and working class kids to invade and kill other people's poor and working class kids. Why? So they can steal. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there you go. Rick's got it. Right. That's pretty straightforward about what's going on right now. Definitely. I, I think it, I, I definitely agree. I mean, this is such a power play by Putin. He, um, for somebody who scorns, uh, you know, the global market, uh, everything that has to do with the Western world, you know, I think that he, he definitely, wants a seat at that table though you know and for somebody like putin who you know we should remind everybody used to be a kgb member right like right. he has a an incredibly long history of of you know uh the russian government back when it was the ussr being involved with the, i think he was the head of the kgb i mean he's definitely somebody who knows how to to instill fear right like into the people um of the country and everything and i think that putin really does want a seat at this global table but he doesn't have the ability to to come any other way than as like a dictator as an autocrat right because that's all russia has basically been since the fall of the soviet union right right and i think that you know it, it's fascinating to, to to listen to uh some i i, I don't We'll call it the blob, right? Because it's really we're talking about the blob. I don't. This, these are not necessarily folks who are um, like the State Department officials or so, but they're the kind of the, that circle of advisors, right? That circle of that you know um, kind of military industrial complex kind of you know uh, 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 folks that are advisors and that appear frequently on media. They were formerly in government. All those those that kind of group of people um, that are invested in. Uh, a particular approach to kind of foreign relations. And I was thinking about um, like how off some of their reads are seem to be on kind of like Putin, at least how they're trying to sell this to us right in the media. Like they start talking about like, oh, this one guy, you know, it was like Tim Kaine, I think, was on like from Virginia. He's like, yeah, was, I don't know what he wants there. What's he want? Like the Order of Lenin, like medal or something like I'm like. What? I'm like, the guy just spent like half his this speech he gave on Monday being so virulently anti-communist. Right? <laughs> you can't believe it. So it's like so like the only like frame they seem to have, like when they're talking to, to like us about it is either 
that, right? Somehow this is a, he wants to reconstitute the, the, the Soviet Union. It's like, no, the guy's a freaking dictator. He wants to yeah. kind of, if anything, he wants to see himself as a neo-czar, not like a, so there's those people. And then there's these other people. There was just some like guy, he works at the Naval, Naval War Care, uh, College. He's a, he's a uh, writer for the Atlantic. And he just basically says, it's all about like, Putin's brain, you know, <laughs> kind of like what's in his brain? And he's really destabilized, and you know he must have like an inadequacy complex. I'm like, are you serious, people? Wow. And you know, and I think about it the way my reading. I'm like, you know, this goes way back to like all the kind of Russia, Russia, Russia stuff that was going on, and like you know the obsession with like the Rachel Maddow show and the the MSNBC about kind of like the, like wanting to have the direct collusion between Trump and the thing. And my thing was like, look. There's definitely a there there, except it's not the there that they want, right? Yeah. And like the thing is, like my 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 lens for all of this has always been: look, Trump is a mob figure, and Putin is a mob figure. Yeah, right. They operate by mob rules. Like I don't mean masses of people. I mean like you know the mafia. That that is this is organized crime syndicate behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's how you got to deal with it. So it's like, you know, I think they're, they're thinking about him talking about like nationalistic kind of endeavors and thinking about Russian. Hit- that's all bullshit. I mean, I, well, I don't understand why they can't see that. He doesn't believe any of that shit. He just wants power. Well, and, and he does. And the reason I think that Putin, I mean, he was quoted as saying, I guess, that like the the end of the USSR was like the worst catastrophe ever, right? The reason for that was not because the it was the end of communism. There right. was no communism. Then that's what, that's that bullshit line that the GOP especially likes to feed um, to Americans is that, you know, the USSR was somehow this like orthodox communist regime which it was not it was right. a dictatorship it was an auto you know an autocracy there, there there was no communism there and and putin wants to go back to the an autocracy right, right. like a uh, uh, total power so and that's not what communism is so i just I, I really wish that like the republicans and politicians in general because there's plenty of democrats out there that believe this too totally. you know that they would maybe go and we take a course in political ideologies um, to refresh, you know, the exact meanings on on what these things are. So we as Americans can, you know, get the context of these situations properly, you know, like in, with just real information, um, not myths and scare tactics and and crazy 1950s style propaganda. Totally, totally 100% I agree. And I, I remember being like back in the 90s, right? Um, back in the even late 80s and 90s when, like, you know, when I was doing like my, a lot of the kind of like political work and kind of trying to understand, started getting to more of the theoretical stuff and the background and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I remember like having these long kind of discussions, debates and trying to figure out when people are looking to how would you describe the like the Soviet Union? Like what what do you actually call it? And there was like these huge debates about like just kind of what to term it, because, you know, people were pretty this was not like communism as it was kind of like you know in this idealized form where kind of this worker shared no it was clearly like a state dictatorship a state capitalist a state well, however you want to talk about it yeah right? and 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 there was like these vigorous discussions about it and then you know th- that happened up until you know you get the fall of the soviet union and stuff and then to see like these people who are supposedly experts basically like forget all those discussions, right? And then to go back to, like you said, I think you, you nailed it, right? 1950 style propaganda. 
when it doesn't even fit, right? And I, th I think it does damage to us, like us as individuals is how we think about stuff in the world be because it doesn't allow us to understand actually what's what's going on, right? No, it, it doesn't. And part of that problem is because, our first of all, our foreign policy is so archaic, right? Like it, it hasn't really changed since post-World War II and we are in an entirely new century now. Like I really think that no matter who's in office in the government, like foreign policy definitely needs to change. They need to start approaching, you know, these situations and these leaders, not in like this, I was, I was, you know, so more of like a traditional sense, right? Because Putin doesn't really fall in line with like a communist leader or a democratic leader, right. you know, um, but he's not exactly a told, like he's not completely a dictator either. Like there's, there's these gray areas and see, that's the problem is like, with with those areas those gray areas um and i just think that there isn't enough study on what's happening in the world right like right. on how things have changed on how you know ideologies have changed right like we have not even yet seen a real communist country like ever i mean right. china but i mean really because they're more of like a capitalist country if you if you really look at it <laughs> exactly. no exactly i mean i mean where where are all the capitalist goods made <laughs> right? you know? i mean who is the workforce for capitalism i mean it i mean it's a globalized environment and this is yes they call themselves and this is what what's what's really concerning to me is that you know, I, I saw. I wish I could tell you who who these people are, but I've been I've been consuming so much kind of raw news right now like, to try to kind of get my head around some of this stuff. But to see them say like, "Well, Russia and China's alliance," I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Right? I mean, they don't get along, <laughs> right? I mean, there's real tensions there. But and and then I said, "What are they talking about exactly?" And it said, well, because they're both communist nations. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, number one, Russia's not a communist nation. Number two, like China, because they use the word communism and worker state means absolutely nothing compared to what's actually there on the ground. So like, OK, so we're just going to like like label things and use the labels with no context and say, OK, look, these two pieces seem to go together. Let's put them together. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. It, it 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 really is and and i can see what you mean by like so you know if you click on one you know outlet for for news and you click on another one they're all saying like people are saying different things right like that's what you're saying like there is a lot of dif disinformation and it's hard to tell because you know if you have an explosion happening in lebanon versus an explosion happening in ukraine right. we are so geographically isolated from the rest of the world that like most people here don't even know where probably the Ukraine is in relation to Russia or right. Europe or anything. So, and <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you, I, sp I mean, I spent, I, I, I actually took like not too long ago, took like a geography quiz just because it, whatever came up one of my feeds or whatever like this. I'm like, Oh, oh. God, I did really well on it. But even like, you know, I'm pretty familiar with some of this stuff, but I mean, I spent a lot of time going over maps yeah. Just to try to understand, okay, where are we actually talking about? Where is Crimea in relationship to these other disputed areas and things like this? I mean, and, and to see them not do that kind of due diligence on, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with, you know, organizations, media organizations in this country and elsewhere who have massive amounts of resources to do this, right? Here I am with, a, you know, a, a freaking mouse and Google and I can, you know, <laughs> understand it better. So, uh, you know, so, I mean, that that kind of stuff, to use those categories is just so unhelpful. 
Um, and, you know, I, 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 my really concern is that as Americans, we are going to we're just going to get lost in this kind of like ideological haze of being able to understand what's happening on the ground. And, and I have to say, too, this is also happening in some segments on the left where, you know, like I and I understand, look, I understand this is a slogan like no war, but the class war. I totally get that. Yeah. Right? Um, but, um, you know, when I hear people say like, well, why are we even kind of like, you know, thinking about like taking sides? It's one imperialist power against another. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like an imperialist power, Russia, against Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and so like even in some of the I mean, again, this is this is a microcosm, a very small group of people on the left. Let me be clear. Um, but you see these kind of narratives emerge where it's saying like to just to, to put us back in this, you know, macro kind of, you know, worldview where you have like United States and the Soviet Union or, or I mean, Russia going against each other and like. But what do you do actually with happening in Ukraine? And I think that's a real I don't think there's an easy answer to what 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 happens here. Like, I mean, in terms of how we support the people in this. I, I, I don't I don't see how we support them either. Um, I know that the Washington, I think, has sending them troops, I armaments. Um I believe that that's like part of their plan that they're going to be doing, you know, I, but are they going to be sending troops? Like, is the EU, is the, you know, UN going to be sending troops? Like, I, I don't really know what's going to be happening at this point. And I mean, it, the, the president of, of the Ukraine, it, he was, he broadcasted a message to his people telling them basically like to employ scorched earth policy, right. you know, blow up bridges, Molotov cocktails. Like, right. this is this is crazy when you think about it. I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I can't I couldn't even imagine. I could not even imagine. And and these people have been dealing with the threat of this for seven years. They've been invaded before. You know, I think that the whole purpose of NATO is is kind of being just laughed at right now, because the whole purpose of NATO was to check Russia right. or, you know, then the Soviet Union. So. And clearly sanctions haven't worked in the past, right? Because it's going to hit Putin in the pocket economically, they think, right? They don't even know. I mean, they don't even know if he's calculated these costs into it. Um, you know, he's he's amassed such a military presence. You know, he's built up his military. Uh, and, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, how long has he been planning something like this? Right. You know, how many... I don't know, bank accounts does he have that nobody knows about, you know, I mean, because totally. there's so much misinformation that comes out of Russia purposely, right, to keep everybody else confused as to what's really going on. And that's such a classic tactic, right, of of the former USSR, of, so, you know, former Soviet leaders, you know, this this stuff should be should have been, I think, anticipated by top government officials. <laughs> I mean, if you just look at the history, if you just look at the tactics that Putin has employed over the years, I mean, it's really all spelled out. Right. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, it's clearly the guy's a planner. I mean, there was a, a reporting this morning that came out um, that was saying that uh, from an analysis of some of the metadata on, you know, his uh, his announcement that, you know, OK, they're going to invade. And this is why, because they've not, it was actually it was actually recorded three days before before the announcement. <laughs> right. Yeah. So actually kind of coming to basically, OK, we got to prepare this ahead of time so that when we invade, this will be what we're going to launch out there. Right. Mm hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that's all I mean, that's like 100 percent clear. And I think that, you know, here we are, 
you know, I, I have to say it was encouraged to see, like, at Penn State, I guess, yesterday there was uh, – oops, oops, why is this making noise? Oops, sorry, something just made noise. Um, at Penn State there was uh, a protest where uh, there's – I guess there's a Ukrainian uh, – so let me see. Yep, uh, Penn State Ukrainian Society. They had a rally on campus. I know down in kind of Montgomery County there's a large Ukrainian population here in Pennsylvania that they yeah. – um, have been trying to, you know, to gather the Ukrainian church and trying to figure out kind of what to do. Um, and, you know, I think it's a it's a important opportunity, I think, for for all of us to think, OK, where are we in this? Right. And without falling into like, OK, we're just going to, you know, rally behind like, I don't know, the U.S. government. I'm like, but really think about what's going to be the most effective way that we're going to be able to assist and having the fewest amount of kind of like everyday people get slaughtered because of you know the imperialist or kind of like like you know the tankies as they've been saying online right yeah. or the tankies who just want to see a war you know i mean um and it's, I, I mean i don't even have an answer to that question at this point no i don't i don't either and i think it's it's it, i i don't know like it, it's one of those things because you don't like i mean should you support the ukrainian people i think absolutely i think absolutely and i think you know um and i think one of the more important things too to to understand is that you know putin knows that he can probably take ukraine right he he probably has already figured out how far he can push right. the boundaries um but if you look at if you okay so if you look at like global maps of of countries that are autocratic you know Eastern Europe is slowly from the past like 10, 20 years has been slowly being devoured, right, by these autocratic regimes. Um, and it's creeping closer and closer to Western Europe. And and I think that that's really one of the more alarming things is like, where is that going to stop at? Right. Like this kind of reminds me of, you know, like maybe like 1939 with Hitler. I don't really like to use that as a comparison. Right. Um, totally different, different things going on. But you know, his tactic was he just kept advancing, right? Like he, Hitler just kept, kept pushing those boundaries, pushing, pushing, you know, uh, other, other leaders of Europe to see how far he could go before somebody was like, okay, you can't do this anymore. We're going to fight back. And I, Putin's, you know, basically executing the same type of tactic, at least within the former Soviet bloc. Yeah. Well, like, you know, we should talk a little about this and I know that we that kind of you've been kind of looking into this too as well about you know looking at some of the tactics here I mean in some ways I was having this conversation um with Sean Kitchen actually yesterday he called me when I was when I was driving home and we we're going back and forth on this and what I kept on thinking about is like you know look there is a real if you look at this in a kind of a really broad sense right there's there 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 is a real kind of I don't want to say battle. I don't want to make this kind of like, uh, you know, there's these kind of competing like worldviews and like making just another cold war or something like this. But I mean, we've seen a rise of autocratic regimes. We've seen mm -hmm. the rise of kind of autocratic organizing and stuff in our own country. Right. Obviously, Donald Trump is the easiest kind of like thing to point to, but also the associated movements around it. Um, and there are kind of sets of tactics, you know, I'm thinking of Timothy Schneider's book, right. When he was kind of like, Hey, here's what you need to kind of know about fascism. <laughs> you know, here's like the oh, steps yeah. for this. or Masha Gessen has been doing writing on this for years about these are the things that you need to be aware of about mm -hmm. what it looks like to be having the emerging of kind of like, uh, an autocratic regime or a dictatorship and what that's like. 
Um, and, you know, you're kind of like pointing this stuff out when we were talking before the show about some of these kind of, you know, comparisons or seeing some of these uh, these tactics actually being kind of rolled out, not just in what we're seeing in Ukraine, but in a broader sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been if so if you look at Hungary, right, like a couple years ago, I mean, Hungary, Hungary has has definitely devolved into like more of an autocratic regime, right? You also have other places where democracy once was like um, Venezuela. <laughs> Not that I want to get into the whole Venezuela thing. But Venezuela, that was for you, you know, Andy, Mian, just so you yeah, know, <laughs> Venezuela definitely, you know, is not a communist regime. It's not a democracy. It's more autocratic than anything. And yeah. and there's uh there so there was a report put out or like a, there was an essay put out by uh some of these scholars um Stephen Levitsky and Lucan Way and they came out with this article it was uh, published in the Journal of Democracy in April of 2002 and it was called Elections Without Democracy the Rise of Competitive Authoritarianism and when I was reading through this they I was a little blown away by the they they list right like all of these features of what happens in a competitive authoritarian authoritarian regime and i'm like just checking these things off because all of this has been happening in right here in the united states within the past several years right with the donald trump regime with the 2020 election with j6 um and and it's in it's in it's here like these are tactics that are being employed on a daily basis uh by you know our own political leaders and People are just like, yeah, that's fine. You know, they're like, this is, this is, but this is democracy. Like it, it's so, I, I don't even know. <laughs> like the inner, like the, the twisting of what democracy actually is. Um, totally. It's what, just, what, what are, it's really, it's sorry. really just saddening. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. So what are some of those things that are, that they're listing as some of these issues that, you know, uh, that you're seeing and ticking off and going like, yeah. Oh yeah. So, okay. So one of them is, so and I'll just read this. It's a little short little mm -hmm. paragraph. It says, although elections are regularly held and are generally free of massive fraud, incumbents routinely abuse state resources, deny the opposition adequate media coverage, harass opposition candidates and their supporters, and in some cases manipulate electoral results. Journalists, opposition politicians, and other government critics may be spied on, threatened, harassed, or at the most, even arrested. You know, and we haven't really come to that point where we have politicians being arrested um, for just speaking out at this point. But I mean, if you look at if you look at Trump's regime, right? Like that's what I call it. It's a regime. Sure. If you look at his regime and the way that he started to you know, harass all of his political opponents, harass fellow party members that didn't agree with him, you know, that mafiosa style uh, uh, way of doing everything, you know, it's my way or the highway, like, that's not democracy, that's, that's being an autocrat, right? And back in 2002, you know, these guys, uh, Levitsky and Way are pointing this stuff out, like, this is what's happening. And sure enough, you know, the past couple of years, we've been seeing this in our elections play out. I mean, even right down to, you know, manipulation of electoral results. I mean, it's there. It's here. People just don't want to see it. Well, and I, I think that's true. And I think, you know, one of the things that I remember um, Masha Gessen, Gessen writing about um, kind of several years ago, I think it was kind of right as uh, as the kind of Trump regime stuff or the campaign is actually was getting launched and things and people were kind of getting a little bit concerned about something that was going on, rightfully yeah. so. You know, she said, you know, one of the things that um, 
one of the things that you find out is that there's a couple things go on. And this resonated so much with me at the time. I remember she was saying that, look, on the one hand, it's disorienting, right? Because you have, you're going about your daily life, right? And there's these routines that are built into our life that, that don't change a lot, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you still need to go get groceries. You have to pick your kids up at school, right? There's these kind of routines that you're kind of go into. So it feels at one part, right? That routine feels like quote unquote normal. And yet at the same time that that's going on, you see this kind of extremism and things that seem so far away from the pale of what you kind of consider as normal. And those things are existing at the same time. Yeah. Right? And it's disorienting. And I was like, holy, sh I said, yeah, this is 100%. And then the other thing she was saying is that one of the biggest problems is that you see this again and again at the rise of autocratic regimes is there's always this sense of denial of this couldn't happen here, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, gosh, we're famous for that, right? We're, we're, in, we're completely just America is untouchable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, well, and she was even saying, like, look, this is actually if you look at the rise of other autocratic regimes during the time, you know, they that they were thinking that, too, as well. Not as kind of like as overtly and as kind of like the way that we champion it in this country, but just kind of like. <laughs> Okay, look, here's some more nut jobs there, like whatever, you know, the yeah. politicians doing politician stuff. And it's not until it's too late, <laughs> right, that things click in. And I'm not sure, to be honest with you, I'm really not sure what to do with that. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I mean, and you can see it happening. And I think that's where like a lot of that disorientation comes in because you don't know what to do. I mean, this year alone, this past year, we had you know, we had a lot of this type of behavior. We had a lot of this like autocratic insurgents, I guess, I don't know what to call it, like an insurgence, just this mind frame of worldview, you know, trickling down um, from the very top, right? From very top politicians, congressional members, and, and, and basically framed the way that, you know, last year's school board races were, were conducted, you know, and that's, to me that, and, and that's, how it happens right because it is kind it's subtle like this past year wasn't subtle but people getting elected and then making these little changes and then you know and then these other little changes and like kind of like what's happening with Penridge, right like for how exactly. long has the school board been whittling away at, at, at really good policies and initiatives of tolerance and, and diversity and inclusion i mean and their what their ratings have tanked you know, I mean, and that's what I said. And people didn't even really notice some of this until just this past year. And exactly. this has been going on in Penridge for quite a few years because it hasn't affected people. Right. right. So. Exactly. Well, let's let's talk a little about that. Well, let me ask well, before we jump jump into that. Is there other th kind of aspects you're seeing some of this about this this autocratic strategy stuff that that you've been looking at? I mean, I don't want to um, kind of like get past that if there was more stuff you were, you were thinking about there. Yeah, there's well, I mean, so there's a different so there's like different varieties of authoritarianism. And, and mm -hmm. I think we have to. I, OK, so if anything, I think it really warrants um our own state departments to really take a look at this stuff right like we have a big problem with militias and white supremacy and stuff like that but authoritarianism i feel like gets missed right it's it, it's just kind of lumped in with a whole bunch of other stuff and you really need to take it aside because like what levitsky and way were talking about you know they're talking about competitive authoritarianism which is basically like a guise of of democracy almost like you have competing people you know, you have the the you have like elections, 
kind of, you know, you see. <laughs> well said. Um, Elections. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like kind of you have this stuff going on. Um, but then there's other there's like there's different types of it. Um, Vox actually came out with a really great article about different types. You have. Um, oh, let's see. Where was it? Yeah. Oh man, there's so much information. Um, well, anyway, I can't seem to find the list right in front of me. The most what I was looking at was the competitive authoritarianism, yeah. mainly because that's what you see most of. Like, like that's what you saw in Hungary. Um, I think Poland had a, a kind of a yes version of that at one point. I don't know if they still do. I'm not up to date on what's going on in Poland, but mainly because, you know, this is what I've been seeing here, right? In the United States, this version of it, of just, you know, there, everything has become so polarized um, that I think people need to really look into that of like, why has it become polarized? Like, why are these worldviews becoming more and more, you know, autocratic and less tolerant of, of other people, of other beliefs, you know? And I think once, scholars, politicians, I don't know, people who are getting paid to do this, because I'm not, um, you know, should be looking more into this and and how this could possibly affect, you know, the, the future trajectory of, of the United States and American democracy. So, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, well, and I think there you go. I mean, like, here you go is like, we're look, digging into this stuff, right? <laughs> like in on our spare time, right? You know, and then meanwhile, you have institutions that are well-funded and their supposed purpose is to be digging into this stuff like and not just digging into it but then also framing it in such a way that people can understand and can incorporate it into like their worldview right i mean that's yeah i would think that's always the challenge of of journalism right um and which is why you know the, the whole kind of stenographer media where you're just kind of going reporting on what these other people said and that's all you do as a journalist is so problematic because it doesn't help frame it so that it can kind of we can understand it as part of like how this is meaningful within our within our world at a time which yeah. seems to be such an important aspect of what um of, you know what that work needs to do and you know look if people want to if people want to drop us a few million dollars like right here like i'd be happy to kind of set up a little institute right here in bucks county to do hey, exactly we can do a bucks, bucks county think tank yes exactly exactly i'm all in right i'll be all in for that but you know in the meantime those folks that you know where the resources are need to be kind of doing some of that work right not just kind of putting out information and let the people decide what to do with it but helping folks kind of understand that because let's let's face it we don't do this in our schools anymore this kind of critical thinking has been sacrificed and the altar of standardized testing right yeah so that we're at this point where the only people who get really access to the like the, like serious critical thinking skills are those folks who are already like steeped in power and money and wealth yeah right? and so the rest of us <laughs> right are having our kind of access to these kind of critical practices slowly bled out of us over time um and you know i, I get I, this is a little bit of a side rail or a sidebar here but I mean, I mean this is something that i always i always see and i always talk to people about is like you know i've seen just in the time that i've been teaching at kutztown university since 2002 right seeing the change in what has happened with students that are coming out of high schools right and it's been really gradual like initially what i'd find like students were really 
saying interesting stuff, right? Really interesting stuff and things, but a lot of the kind of say mechanics, right, if you will, right, mm-hmm. of the writing, just to kind of like, you know, the practice that you get in kind of working and, and doing kind of, kind of, you know, more formal writing or writing for a broader public or something like this, right? Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't as skilled in that. So that's what you kind of focus on, right? Just kind of helping bring this stuff into light. What I've seen is shifting happen now is to like, so instead of having to spend like, you know, the beginning five weeks of semester, really kind of like working on kind of like, how do you bring your voice into this stuff? And what are some of the conventions of this kind of writing and stuff? Um, the, those students, students, incoming students are becoming better and better at being able to do that. Yeah. What they're not as good about doing now is critical analysis and critical thinking and argumentation. Right. And, and, and I don't mean them as individuals. Right. Let me be clear about this, because once you break through saying, look, I don't want you to do the standardized test things anymore. <laughs> these students rock the house. I mean, they're fascinating. The stories that what they're thinking about, what's important to them and stuff. But it's kind of clear that, you know, standardized testing has dominated the way they think that we're going to approach it, even the way that the way they think about, like, you know, like doing research and coming like and, you know, and, it, and it's such an incredible shame. But, you know, again, is, you know, thank God underneath all of it, you got kind of really interesting, critical people, you know, <laughs> but our school systems are failing us on that regard. So well, anyways, I'm sorry for the sidebar, but no, you're not, because I think that's really an important fact. You know, I think I think that it's so listen, like I started doing college a few years ago, right? Like, try, you know, I'm still I'm almost done, <laughs> um, you know, just trying to get my degree. Um, but like so I'm older and I was in classes with a lot of just younger students, 18, 19, 20 year olds. And I I was surprised, actually, you know, because I haven't been in high school in quite some time. And I was surprised at the lack of information that that people are coming into college courses. Right. So intro college courses, intro history classes are basically doing the job of what high school, middle school should have been doing, right? So it, it puts some of these students, I think, back a little bit because they're because yeah. they have to they have to take all this time to learn these things that they should have already been learning years ago. Right. So it takes longer. And then like you said, with with the critical thinking skills, I definitely I saw a lot of instances of of some students who really didn't know how to even resource anything for a paper, right? Like their sources were so biased. I mean, and I'm not talking like just, you know, I, I mean, like they're they're using like just the bottom right. of the barrel, like right. a like Newsback, Newsmax bias kind of deal. Yeah, right? that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, and like, why is that not being taught? Like I had to teach one of my kids how to, how to outline. Yep. Like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 one hundred percent something. So, well, which kind of brings us right to what's happening in the public schools, right? I mean, you got yeah. these kind of two things coming together, right? You got on the one hand, you've got seeing the authoritarian, and this is what really what we've been focusing so much on this show and kind of and all our podcasts of late is like what's happening in Bucks County. What and as you know, again, as a microcosm is what we're seeing elsewhere. But this kind of rise of this kind of autocratic kind of mind thinking, which is, you know, imbued with racism, which is imbued with kind of, you know, just sheer power politics within our school boards. And um, and also the decisions that are being made to kind of strip out the curriculum of those very things that would help improve this kind of like critical thinking approach, right? A range of source materials and things. Instead, you want to keep these kids in a kind of very specific kind of bubble, right? And 
so what got and I'll have to say I'll be I'll be straight up with everybody out there is like um, there was the, the Penridge School Board like has this subcommittee that's called the Community right community like yeah. you know they spell it Com the capital U Unity <laughs> and the result that committee the reason why that committee exists is because Joan Cullen, who is now the president of the uh, Penridge School Board, um, she was then the vice president before. She and the other kind of like, the, you know, the, the the radical right on the school board were able to kill um, uh, the DEI initiatives in um, Penridge, which is democracy, I'm sorry, which is diversity, um, equity, and inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. This is kind of what's happening everywhere, looking for ways of making sure that all kids kind of like, one, are find a space within the schools, how we kind of making sure that our curriculum is reflective of the world as it is, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? To include multiple voices, to allow for that critical exchange, you know, help foster democratic citizenship by thinking about differences, things like that, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm doing the very kind of like over, you know, quick thing. So anyways, there, there have been people in the community, there were community members, there were teachers, there were administrators who had been working on this for years. And then as the lead up in this last round of school board elections, they decided, as everybody knows, to go after like critical race theory. And really what they were trying to do is kill these DEI initiatives, right? And using it as a way of, you know, fanning the flames, throwing red meat to these, you know, to, to the extremists. And um, so that came to a head in Penridge last year, I think it was back in September, and they basically killed the DEI initiative, right? When it was supposed to be voted on to kind of, okay, now we, we've done all the work, done all the research, here's the presentations, and now and there's communities saying all this nonsense from right-wing media. They killed the initiative, and as a quote-unquote compromise, it was really just a way to kind of stop the conversation. They were forming a new committee called the Community Committee, which was going to review this DEI stuff, right? It was going to review what was going on there. And um, supposedly come up with a new thing that would build unity in the community. And they've done virtually nothing for four months, right? Despite the best efforts of the people who are, you know, want to see this actually like work, do it. So it's just been stymied. It's a way of just kind of making it stop. So anyways, that that subcommittee of the school board, right, the community, the community committee, um, had a meeting on Wednesday and like the shit hit the fan. And I know about that because Amy messages me. is like, are you watching this? <laughs> well, I was, I was actually on my way to class. Cause uh -huh. like Wednesday nights I have class, which just sucks because there's always meetings for school yep. boards, like here in Palisades and Penridge. So I was on my way to class and I, I, I got a notification on, you know, from YouTube. So I clicked on it and all I like, I, I must have, I, I tuned in right as um, right as everything hit the fan. You know what I mean? I was just like, and I was like, holy shit. Like I actually was late to class because <laughs> cause, like I was sitting there. I was like, I this is crazy. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, so I had to rewatch it later, but like I was totally not expecting that. Totally not expecting what happened. It was, it was crazy. Right. And so like, I literally was like, I was just, it, it, Wednesday was like, you know, it was, it was uh, like Wednesday. I get when I, one of the things that I do, if I try to kind of stay in a routine is on my way home from work, I stop at the grocery store. My, my mother-in-law is like with my kids. Right. So I stop at the grocery store. I do shopping. I come home, unload that, then make dinner. Right. And all that kind of stuff. So I was just kind of finishing that process. Right. My kids are fed. My, my son does this esports thing on Wednesday. So it's like, you know, so it's like all this kind of thing. I said, like, oh, just settle down. That Amy's message comes through. I'm like, what the, right? And so I run downstairs <laughs> to check out what's going on. And it literally, like, the room was, was 
like they shut down the recording of it at one point. The room, people were standing up. People were leaving the meeting. There was all this kind of commotion was going on. So I went back and rewatched it too as well. So when you went back and rewatched, like how would you describe what went down? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I didn't even okay, – so like they – when they started the the meeting, I wasn't aware of like exactly what the meeting was for. You know what I mean? Um, beforehand, so it was I, a I, with a mission statement. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's, as, as, yeah, right. And you get to that like at the very end of of the meeting, you eventually get to like the whole premise of what was going on. But like, I was just I, I didn't. The woman who was talking, right? Like the woman who the one woman who was talking one of the antagonizers. I mean, I was just blown away, blown yeah. away by how, you know, and just, and this has been happening at other school board meetings too. Right. It's like, people are just getting up, completely ignoring what's on the agenda, what they're supposed to be making commentary on. And they're like, just going off the rails, attacking people, attacking fellow board members. Cause you're not supposed to call people out. I'm pretty sure like one it's of the, the rules. Yeah. There's like a rule or something that yeah. you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to address board members. I it's just, it was just a mess. And the woman, and the biggest thing that got me is when she was done speaking, which you couldn't, you can't even hear all of what she's saying because there's just a lot of yelling going on. But when she's done, she gathers her papers and she walks right by the camera and she has this such a smug, look on her face and it was like oh she planned that like this was totally 100 premeditated to 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 disrupt the meeting you know i i was just this is the behavior is just completely disgusting absolutely so let, let's we'll go, go give the setup for folks because because there's a couple things that have happened with this too so that again this has not been this is not the first time this has happened. This is not the first time that this woman in particular has um, has tried to fan these flames of kind of division and, and kind of like reverse racism and kind of turn it again. It's exactly what we were talking about before. You look at these these steps of kind of autocratic rule and the tactics and strategies of autocracy and kind of, you know, and just sheer on power politics, mob behavior. This is what it looks like. Right. It is. Yeah. Like, it's gaslighting. Right yep. in the in like and like literally, I was telling my wife this. I said, like, you know, it's the weirdest situation when I say because like I'm pretty steeped in this stuff. But when I was watching that meeting and watching her comments, I could feel this like gap between my body and my brain. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like I'm sitting there watching what she's saying, and these people are so trained in what they do that they're going forward and they're sounding like they're using on their tone and the form. Right. Just mm -hmm. forget about the content. The tone and the form is even is sounding just like just I'm just a person here who's kind of expressing these concerns and like, look at what's going on. Right. And keeping that tone and all this stuff. So the form is like saying to me, this is normal. This is normal. This is normal. Yeah. Right? But then you listen to what she's saying and what the context is and you feel like, holy shit, wait, this is not normal. This is not, normal, you know. It's this, and it's a it's a constant in this. So that's the first thing. The purpose, like, we should be clear here. This was at the very, this is the beginning of the meeting. And yeah. there's a public comment thing. This is, again, built into all school board meetings, right? And she, but why was it at the beginning? Like, that's something that I didn't quite understand. Why was public commentary at the beginning? Good question. Or is that because they were, like, so were they supposed to vote that night on Wednesday? Is that? they The public comment was supposed to be about um, public comments about the agenda and particularly the agenda item at this point, the first thing that they were being considering was the, the mission statement. <laughs> okay. 
And apparently there was some kind of drafting of a mission statement. And so the public had comment on it. Okay. Right? And so this was what the first thing that the committee was, was doing. And so they started public comment on the mission statement. And the first woman that gets up to speak, right? We talked about this ahead of time. She, and I, I, I didn't even like whatever. She just like she like takes Martin Luther King, basically dips him in bleach, right? And then kind of like says, "Okay, here's like Martin Luther King wouldn't want kids to learn about diversity." You know, it's like, well, yeah, she she stayed. I did. She I know we were. <laughs> she said she basically said that Martin Luther King was all for racial equality but not racial equity and i'm like way okay uh she totally misappropriated like everything about him but whatever like that's that's the new norm now right so, right and well. she does this stuff in there like where she's like you know i have like grandkids of color right and yeah. like it they worked up and they did it and it would be an insult to them to like suggest that like people of color are kept down i mean it's like stuff like this right so she's trying to use the identity politics in reverse and all, it was just like crazy i mean not crazy but it's like it, it consistent so it's, it's toxic individuality totally right 100 <laughs> percent. so but the the second woman who spoke was this is is, is what like kind of set out the kind of like where everything went crazy um mm -hmm. where where the meetings were kind of just disrupted and this is not just any woman let's be clear about this and this is why i want to focus a little bit on it because while the penridge school board decided to delete the video of that meeting right i have the sound for you today right so instead of just talking about this woman we're going to kind of let you hear some of what she said and what went down so little background first, this woman who's about to speak, you're going to hear her introduced here. Her name is Kim Bedillion, right? Kim Bedillion is not just like a Percocy resident, right? She is the president of the Penridge Area Republican Club. All right. And she has been a leading force in kind of going at CRT, basically taking the national kind of right wing extremist agenda of the Trumpian Republican Party and bringing it into Penridge School District. Right. I mean, she has been one of the key funnels of that kind of ideological tactic. Right. Um, what we see here. So there's that's number one. Number two is that what was very interesting is you can see you talk we were talking about before about orchestrating certain things so a member of the uh the penridge area republican club had just had just had a op-ed published right in uh i want to say it was the courier times it might have been the intelligencer i'm not sure which which paper it kind of kind of but had just just published this stuff basically saying everything that the quote-unquote hate has no home here crowd says Right. Is just ideological warfare and misinformation like they're using yeah, the language that. <laughs> that's that is like they're using that language. And they so the, the Penridge area um, Republican Club publishes this on their website the morning before the school board meeting. Right. And Kim Bedillion shows up at this meeting, repeating a lot of the same talking points. Right. So you can see the way that this is kind of set up and structured. So she's there coming in there and pretending just to be some random kind of school board person, a random person making a public comment. But you got to understand the context here is that she's not just an individual, right? She is the leader of the Penridge Area Republican Club, which has been at front and center in this kind of ideological warfare that's going on here, right? So let's put there. So this is this is Kim Bedillion. And what what's gonna I'll give you the arc of it first and then we'll then we'll go in. The arc of it first is that you're gonna hear the kind of talking points that you'd expect. 
And then at, towards the end of it, when things go right, she starts attacking, right, a particular individual. Now, she doesn't name the individual, but she's talking about a guy by the name of Dante King. Dante King is a member of this DEI committee. He's put years of work into this, right? He's been actively kind of supporting this. His wife is Adrian King, who ran for school board, right, in the, uh, the, the uh, Penridge School Board this last round of election. We had her on the show, right? And so he's going after her. And she's basically... She, Adrian King has started a, a nonprofit. She's has one of the things they do is they have these hate have the home here um, signs, right? They've been promoting kind of like businesses of people of color. The idea of kind of like making this like, you know, diversity and inclusion as a part of what our community is about. Right. I mean, that's kind of what they do. At the same time, right, Dante King and Adrian, I guess, they started this kind of little small juice company, right? They started something they started doing during the pandemic and they started doing these juices and now it's sold at some of the local stores in here. So what this woman basically tries to do is say that that's all a big sham, that they're just trying to profit off everything else in the end. That's where everything goes crazy, right? But don't take my word for it, <laughs> right? Let's take a little listen to uh, Kim Bedillion, um, her public comments at the school board meeting. We'll start with a little bit of, it, of it, introduction. Is there anything else you want to kind of lead up for this, Amy? I'm sorry I kind of got no, a long I think No, I think you covered a good portion of it, so. Okay, good. So here's here's the beginning of it, and I uh, um, hope you can hear this okay coming in. Uh, Kim Bedillion. She's walking up to the podium now. And this is in regards to mission statement? Mission statement. Yes, okay, so let's be clear. So the the head of the, uh, one of the person who's running the meeting at this committee meeting asks her, you're here to comment on the mission statement, right? <laughs> right? And she says. I think that's like, I think they asked her like three times. Yep. Throughout the, throughout before she got up to speak. Exactly. And she said, yep, that's what I'm here to talk about. Okay, so here you go. Um, Kim Bedillion, Hercosy Borough. Parents and community members of Green Ridge fought a battle to remove DE, the DEI initiative from the school district. The DEI initiative was critical race theory in practice. It was poised to infiltrate every aspect of the school district. The battle was fought in the news media, social media, and, and, on, and at the school board meetings. Who could forget the letter authored by the Bucks County NAACP condemning the cause of the DEI initiative and stating, it is clear that right now only white children are welcome in Penn Ridge. Okay, I'm going to pause it for a second. So let's just get, because I know it still sounds a little low. It's the best I could do on the sound for today. But what, what she just basically said is that DEI is just critical race theory in like sheep's clothing, so to speak. Right. That's her claim. And then she says, let's remember what the NAACP said um, after they killed. You know, she doesn't say this, but after the school board killed the DEI initiative, she says, oh, the NAACP says that apparently like, you know, um, only white people are allowed in kind of Penridge or, you know, black people are not kind of like she says this kind of stuff as a lead up. OK. All right. Let's go back just a, just ahead. OK, here we go. Welcome in Penridge. The November election provided conclusive evidence that DEI was not wanted in the school district. Because the school board candidates who ran on the platform denouncing it were elected overwhelmingly. Unfortunately, instead of completely eliminating the initiative, an exiting school board president decided to kick the can down the road and form the present committee. Now the battles in the community are continuing unnecessarily. So she's making the case that the, pro the, the failure was that the DEI wasn't killed entirely. Instead, we've got to go and revisit these debates all over again, right? Okay. 
here we go. President decided to kick the can down the road and form the present committee. Now the battles in the community are continuing unnecessarily. Two nonprofits have sprung up, which are fundraising off the continued misinformation campaign waged by the pro-DEI crowd. One group started Diversity Book Drive with a mission to replace LGBTQ books and books of Black authors that were allegedly banned and removed by the school district. All right. She's saying that, okay, one of these nonprofits was formed that basically is kind of said, we're going to replace all these like, diverse books and everything like this because they've been allegedly banned, right? This is like what the hair splitting that they've been doing here. So basically, Penridge School District has gone in and they basically said, hey, remember this thing like Heather has two mommies book, right? That is inappropriate for school because it spreads the message of love and families, <laughs> right and to make sure kids say that hey look if you're you have your parents you have two mothers right your parents are kind of a lesbian couple and you've raised with love we you're welcome too right that's kind of the message of that book and it's from like the 1970s or 80s or something like this right? 1983 I think. 1983 right and you know again there was a big out you know there was this kind of stuff happened in 1983 when the book first came out now it's been on the shelves all over the place, right? Recognizes a super contribution to this whole discussion, and now they pull it from the shelves. And they start tagging a bunch of other books to pull from the shelves. And they'll say that we didn't ban them, right? But really what they've done, they've taken them off the shelves, and in some cases, they've taken them, they put them behind, like, the librarians. That's where you have to go and sign them out and have permission and stuff like this. Yeah, I think you have to have parental permission for some of them, and that... That is that's really alarming. I mean, I don't know why you would need permission to go check out a book like Heather has two mommies like that's ridiculous. It's it's completely I understand that there was one or two books that were not age appropriate. Right. Um, and that's perfectly fine. But I like I said, age appropriate, <laughs> you know, um, and that's it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what Kim Bedillion is doing in this is she's basically attacking Penridge residents right to form groups outside of school to advocate for exactly. these books and she's framing it as they're doing something illegal or illicit which they are not exactly and literally I believe the organization she's talking about is this group of Penridge parents who decided that you know those those little kind of little library things that are set up book like libraries around, yeah you know, the little book libraries where people could come up and grab it they were raising money to buy books that were being excluded from the libraries and things and putting them in those little libraries. Yeah. Right. And having some public readings of them so that there would be access to that. Right. And so, I mean, that's what she's talking about. Instead, she's trying to say they're trying to subvert the system by stuffing them back in the libraries in some covert way by putting, you know, different book jackets on them. It usually says like, <laughs> like America rocks, but really, right? <laughs> it's about critical race theory. You know, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. Okay, let's see what else you've got to say. And books of black authors that were allegedly banned and removed by the school district. I want to review some of the community comments generated by this very campaign, which was started on a lie that this group continues to spread. This is an important cause and people need to realize that this is how democracy dies by banning books. Thank you for combating the bigotry of the vocal minority. Thank you for taking a stand against censorship. Just as concerning as another nonprofit, which was started by- Okay, before we get into that, I, I wasn't sure what she was doing with that initially when I first listened to it. Cause I'm like, yeah, I didn't know either. Cause I was like, why is she reading commentary? That's praising. I, I, she was, I think she's just trying to make a point, but she's sounds ridiculous is what she does because she's, she's reading these comments that people are happy that, you know, 
intolerance and hate is being addressed. It's all very confusing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, she's talking to her people. Yeah, she that is. are all about white grievance, right? Yep. That are all about kind of like, we're the victims now. Because I'm like, oh, man, those those comments are pretty awesome. That's yeah. a pretty good program then, I guess, right? <laughs> well, she's yeah, like what you had said. She's she's trying to make the point of the reverse racism. Yeah, we one hundred percent. And so like I'm like, oh, that's it. So she's saying, like, oh, look, oh, it's so great. People are standing up and kind of combating like, you know, this this vocal <laughs> like the people were recognizing that the people that in the community, right? It, everybody's not racist right no. everybody's not trying to be exclusionary but it's a vocal minority it's a few people right and they're saying look as a community we're we're not that right we're we're a much broader so we're going to basically we're going to go around these folks because um they've got a loud voice but they don't represent us so that we're going to do this so crazy crazy all right is, I'm gonna, is... go ahead sorry sorry <laughs> No, you're fine. Go ahead. Keep going. No. So, okay. So I'm going to play, I'm going to play this, uh, um, kind of like another little bit here, uh, of, uh, Kim Bedillion. So here we, here we go. Here we go. Thank you for combating the bigotry of the vocal minority. Thank you for taking a stand against censorship. Just as concerning is another nonprofit, which was started by the spouse of a community committee committee member. This group is fundraising by promoting the lie that Penridge is a racist community. This group is selling hate has no home here in Penridge School District. It is most clear that the hate has no home here slogan is favored by the political left as it means as a means to perpetuate the lie that the community is hateful and racist. It is also a means by which the intolerant hate has no home here crowd attempts to silence anyone who dares oppose the DEI ideological narrative. Anyone who opposes the narrative is deemed hateful, bigoted, transphobic, homophobic. You get the idea. It should be noted that the individual running this nonprofit group, which is fundraising off the lie that Penridge is racist, is also on the board of the Bucks County NAACP, the same organization that deemed Penridge only welcoming to white students. This individual and her husband operate a family visit business that just got a nice financial yeah, What does this have to do with the and it's targeting members, specific members of the community. And his wife's organization. Hello. We're going to do this. I'm done. Stop it. That is absolutely not fair. I don't care. No, 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 no. Don't shush me. Don't shush me. That is not fair. She is. She is. I don't care. No, 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 no. Don't shush me. Don't shush me. That is not fair. She is. She is being blatantly obvious about her far right wing agenda. So we, if we, if we, if we gonna call it out, let's call it out. So okay. So there goes. And then this just this goes on, and then they cut the stream <laughs> right shortly right after that right yeah i think the feed cuts off it i wrote it down it was nine minutes 41 seconds <laughs> yep. no. right and it cuts off after that and then it resumes a few minutes later um with uh, a bunch of stuff so I, I hate to do this but um i need to take a quick break i got a dog that's that's freaking out right now and i gotta find <laughs> out what that's about so let me just take a quick break i'm sorry amy i'm sorry everybody oh, <laughs> um just give me one minute and i'll be right back in a second this is kev mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken we'll be right back after this quick quick break 
Hey, everybody, we're back. I am really sorry. <laughs> this is like, I swear to God, this is like the day that like, I have no idea what's going on. Um, yes, my dog was not just unruly, Christopher. <laughs> my dog's got <laughs> diarrhea now. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> I mean, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> my car won't start. There's like, I mean, my computer was almost fried this morning. I'm like, <laughs> whatever. I'm so I can't believe this. This is like the perfect ending to this kind of freaking week. I have to say, perfect say. Anyways, where were we? <laughs> um. Oh, we we okay. So we we stopped the video where uh, Dante King uh, right, spoke right, up because right, right, like right. so so the the gentleman that you heard speaking very loudly in that video was him. Yes, and so that as you remember, right at the very beginning of the uh when i was kind of doing the setup for this uh dante king's one one he's a committee member um that is on here and kim bedillion was basically making the claim that adrian something like this that adrian king has set up a nonprofit to raise money right so that they can they could falsely like raise money to divert it to kind of like secretly profit off of it i mean it's freaking nuts right and i go back to your point that you were making earlier amy that you know, look, these autocratic strategies and tactics are bleeding in all over the place. And we this is a perfect example of this. This is like the most like let's take everything that has been documented, say that someone like Donald Trump has done and let's pretend the other side is doing it. Right. And ascribe all the things that we're doing to other people and then put that out into the world. Yeah. It's 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 frightening right and it's organized oh it, it is and and like you had brought up earlier you had mentioned about how kim bedillion was speaking and she was so very even toned and, and mannered and she reminded me a lot of like when joan collins speaks right like very very dolores umbridge style. Yes. i don't have another comparison she is it's literally <laughs> yeah she is <laughs> You know, just that that overly pleasant, nice, um, yeah. And and what? But you're right. Like what she's saying. When you listen to what she's saying, it doesn't make any sense. It's completely ludicrous. It it's 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 pretty crazy. Yeah, exactly. Emily Emily says like yeah, projection. I said yeah, exactly. But it's more than projection, right? It's projecting as a tactic, right? And I think that this is this is one of these things where you know, on the one hand, we we could talk about um, say projection as someone like projects onto other people what they do. And that's like, again, psychological process and all that kind of stuff, right? At 100%. But here we have it actually used consciously, right? And used systematically, mm -hmm. right? As a way of achieving, gaining, sustaining power. And, right, by fomenting, right? Or I shouldn't say fomenting because it's already been fomented, but by stoking the fires and pouring gasoline on the fires of division and hate that's what's freaking crazy yeah i mean this seems like it was it was purposely done to disrupt the meeting right like so that again nothing was going to get accomplished yes and i think that you know i think that's 100 was the case and like you know what we had what we had here as you know i got some of the background story about some of this too as well and i think just one person had emailed me after um when the meeting went down because i was tweeting this stuff out i was like hey i mean i'm like you know <laughs> thank god amy sent this to me right so i'm like I'm, because since then if you actually try to go to their website where you go to the original link that i even i tweeted out before they've deleted it yeah it was pulled it was it was okay so it, the video must have been pulled 
it was pulled yesterday at um, some point because yesterday morning I had went back through and I had rewatched the video and then I went back later in the afternoon and it was gone. Like it was just, I couldn't find it um, or anything. I tried links that I had had and it's just been completely pulled from, from their site, which that's, that's really disturbing. Like, why was it pulled? Are they trying to edit things out? Are they just going to pretend the meeting never happened? <laughs> Well, you know, if you don't have the original source, right, then you yeah. can spin it in any way that you want, right? And I and I know, and like Joan Cullen is is this is where she's she's got her shtick down really well, right? Is that what Joan Cullen is good is about when people think about, and we've talked about this in other contexts before too. I remember it's like, you know, she's not like the person who's like crazily spouting rants off the like you know kind of like off the top of her head and screaming. She's the one who's like always looking like. Hey, I'm, I'm just trying to do what's good for the community. Hey, I, I, I'm just, this was about, you know, well, you know, Dante, you know, you, you didn't let her finish to hear what her point was. And, you know, then you could respond to it. It's like, that's kind of how meetings work. Why are you getting so no. upset? I mean, that's like, she does, she plays this victimization or kind of like, hey, I'm just, I'm the rational one here. She plays that card so well. She, she does. She, she's, <sighs> She turns it around and she does it very effectively, right? Like she always, she, I mean, unless like, I mean, you can see through it, but she does. And in that particular meeting, um, I mean, she ends up agreeing with Kim Bedillion, right? Like, I don't know if she knew yeah, she was being filmed at that moment, <laughs> mm -hmm. but she definitely agreed. And you can hear it towards the end of the video. Like you can hear that she was like, well, you know, her comments actually really did have to do with the agenda. And because we haven't voted on the mission statement yet, you know, it's completely relevant. Yep. An attack on somebody's business that has nothing to do with the school district or the committee meeting or anything, which is what Mr. King was saying. I mean, he was like, this does not have to do with the agenda. And Joan Cullen was like, but it does. Yep. And she said, well, oh. you don't know because you didn't let her finish. Right. I'm like, yeah. like she was going into a tirade about attacking him personally and making kind of conspiratorial comments about, I mean, that's what she had nothing. It was nothing to do with this. It was attacking Dante King. It was about kind of like doing the kind of character assassination on public feeds, right? I mean, this is what it yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, 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 it was, it was, and then the brilliant part of, I, I quote unquote brilliant, like, I mean, brilliant in the sense that Donald Trump means that Putin's brilliant, right? This is kind of what I mean. Right? <laughs> it's like, is that like what Joan Cullen does is that. She stoked it. And the background context was, is like, look, something was bound to break because of you, you could only delay stuff so long. This has been a commission. This has been a committee that's supposed to be working on this stuff. They've been working for four months and had done virtually nothing. Like they were at the point of defining a mission statement yeah. like, of the committee. I mean, it's like crazy, right? I mean, and so people were getting so frustrated. And then it got to this point where she could personally attack. And so then people at the one point, it was clear that, you know, Joan Collins would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. We're all working together. And they're like, this, this is crazy. And they leave. And at that point, Joan Collins said, well, I guess we can, we can still talk about, go back to the agenda. She goes, oh no, we don't have a quorum anymore. So I guess we can't do it. Right. <laughs> and so then, and so you're like, oh my God. So now she's going to go out and say, look, we were trying to go through it. And yes, there was disagreement, but, we, but they left. So we couldn't even come to the agreement. Well, what? she's going to leave that context out, right? That like this woman came up and like, you know, was attacking, totally. verbally attacking, you know, uh, a committee member and, you know, members of the community. And that's just not right, you know, but she won't say that. 
That's not going to be in the minutes. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what's going to pop up in that. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Like, like uh, we had a, a community member kind of brought to our attention a really concerning development in our community. That would be something like that, right? You know, yeah, It'd be some kind of nonsense yeah. like that. Well, um, and but major, I like, and I, I was when I heard Mr. King like, call call her out though. Like, good for him for doing that, right? Because he basically was like, "We're going to call it what it is." Like, she's promoting a far right agenda and this is this is not acceptable totally 100 percent. and then what happens that you know what happened right after that they cut the feed and then the feed comes back on like a few minutes later and there's there's people everyone's standing up in the room all over the place right and uh it's not even worth playing you the clip for that um without kind of seeing it um but there's a there's one guy there's one guy he's standing an older gentleman kind of like kind of like white hair he's standing he said look this is a public meeting. You just can't cut off a feed because you don't like what's being said. You can go up, you can take a, you can take a, like a, what do you call it? You could take a, a break basically, right? And say that you're going to go on a recess. You can do that and cut it, but you can't just like cut it off when you feel like it. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it comes back on, you see all that stuff. And then the argument, and then people leave and then they cut off the feed. And the feed is like literally blank. For, for 20 minutes for 20 minutes 20 minutes and then it comes on for like eight like maybe a second or two at the end and said uh we've decided to recess the meeting folk click and it goes off that's it so um i will be posting eventually a link to the entire video so if people would like to see it right um i think it's really important as a public document right that we all have access to especially if you live within the uh you know the boundaries of the penridge school board um, that this is something that uh, as parents and community members, we should have um, direct access to. And I cannot believe that they are trying to kind of hide behind and censor their own words, right? And the work that is going on, the collusion that is happening between like the, that kind of fake DEI committee and the kind of uh, Penridge area Republican club and what they're doing is just really unconscionable in my mind, so. It is. It definitely is, especially since, you know, they've already made that commitment to to live stream and record their meetings in an effort of transparency and then to and then to pull it like this. Like, I understand if the meeting went awry, but, you know, as the public, you know, as members of the community, um, you know, parents of the school district, you do have every right to to see that video. Right. And to see it in real time, to not have to request it. Right. Like, so that's a problem up here in Palisades is that we have to request recordings because they're not live stream they're only audio you have to like call in to listen um and stuff and then they only post the record and this is a new development they only post the recordings for like a couple week period and then they're gone yep and then you have to like request or to, to i guess to find the rest of them you know or to listen to them the, you know it's just it's so ridiculous and this is the type of stuff like i said this has been happening in all different school districts or in this whole area you know central box and penridge you know and all of this this misinformation that's being spouted out by like you know by this vocal minority um and it's having serious consequences on on the everyday going ons of like school activities school direction you know how children are learning what the teachers are being you know are teaching and it just it, it all spirals it all snowballs into like these bigger bigger issues and like you said before you know it like we're that it's everything's gonna be gutted and nobody's gonna know what to do they're gonna be standing there with their hands in the air like um okay now what <laughs> well we didn't see this happening <laughs> exactly 
Exactly. And you know, there's two groups of people that should have make sure we have access to that kind of stuff. And the first group is exactly as you said, like, say the parents and the kind of like, you know, citizens of that district, right? You know, people who are like, you know, paying taxes in that district and who would send their kids to school there, all that stuff. The second one that should have access to that stuff are journalists. Right. Yeah. Because journalists, you know, they're the ones who are looking at this stuff closely. Right. And they're the ones who have access, to it. especially when you hear about something, something that had happened. Right. If you weren't able to make that meeting because we know that newsrooms have been cut. So you, you don't have somebody at every single meeting that is uh, that is covering those meetings. But you hear something has happened. OK, you go back to check the feed, you check the recording and it's no longer there. Then that means everything has to happen by hearsay. Right. And then you get into this like, you know, back and forth stuff. But I do have to say the other thing, too, as well, this is why it's so important. I think, you know, we've talked about this before uh, uh, for people to be paying attention and organizing around these school board stuff. And this is something I, I learned actually in my own local union early on after getting burnt a few times. Right. Um, and my story was, you know, like we wanted to actually change the way our union worked. Right. Uh, locally at Kutztown, we wanted to make it more democratic. We wanted to say that the people who are attending these meetings are should be setting the agenda, that everyday members should be able to kind of like put forth the agendas and mm -hmm. stuff. And what we learned um, as we kept on pushing is we kept, you know, we get shut down here, we get shut down there and all this kind of stuff. And we wanted access to information and they were being withheld from us. Then we realized, oh, we have to have a bylaws fight. Right. So we have to learn this kind of like the, the process by which you change the bylaws. Right. And adding in certain things and making that part of policy that has to that that, that lasts beyond one particular meeting. And yeah. I think this is the same kind of stuff. I remember, you know, you talking about that up in Palisades, like it's a perfect example is like that's where a great kind of opportunity to kind of organize and fight around as a community to say, no, no, no. As a community, we demand one, this is live stream. Number two, those um, are kind of are publicly available both to the community and to the broader public um, for viewing as they see fit. And they should be and they should be not archived behind a paywall. They should be archived right up on a YouTube stream um, where, where everybody can get access to them. Right. Well, it, it should be. But unfortunately, like I said up here, you have to put in like right to know requests for right. absolutely everything, which drives up costs and i mean <laughs> yep, yep. it's and and then on top of it too you have the vocal minority up in this area who aren't requesting the board to live stream who aren't pushing for for more transparency in the way you and i would push for transparency you know they're they're requesting documents ridiculous documents um from the board like wanting to know wanting to request emails that have their names in it, right. you know, like it's just such silly stuff that's being requested when there's all these more important issues actually really going on that need to be addressed. 100%, 100%. Well, that's been, you know, it has been quite a week, um, I have to say, and uh, uh, I'd be remiss to say, you know, before, well, is there anything else just to say you wanna, you wanna kind of close out with this or stuff that we hadn't touched upon that we wanted to look at? Um, I don't think so, I'm trying to. I really suggest everybody go start reading about authoritarianism. Um, and <laughs> if anyone's interested, you really should check out Freedom House. Um, it's uh, I don't have the link in front of me, but I'm sure. But if you want to like put that up into the show notes, that's really great. Like if yep. people are interested in seeing like the global state of democracy, so to say, um, and it's you know it's getting pretty much split down the middle there. So. <laughs> Yep, I just put it in the comments uh, for today, and then we'll, I'll kind of look it up and put it in the show notes too. It's a great, that's a awesome suggestion. 
cool as well. Well, um, so like, as I said, we kind of close out today by um, saying like, okay, we have an upcoming show. We have a date yet to be determined that we will, I promise, as promised, uh, we'll have Amy back on to talk specifically about UBI and stuff. Do you want to give us a little preview of kind of uh, what we what we want to do for that show? Yeah, definitely. So um, as I mentioned before in other shows, uh, Philadelphia is implementing their own universal basic income program of sorts, um, which I think is amazing, right? So I was doing some research on Philadelphia um, the past, you know, two years, and Philadelphia's poverty rate is so bad. It, it's terrible. And we can talk more about that um, on the other on the show. But uh, I really wanted to discuss the impacts that these UBI programs have had um, on other portions of the country. Um, there's two of them in particular. There's one in Stockton, California, and then there is another one, um, the Magnolia Mothers Trust, um, which is a UBI program of sorts. Like it's not your traditional right. universal basic income program, which is also what I'm going to be talking about because it's not, I think a lot of people get confused about what UBI really is. Um, and I think that that's important, you know, for people to understand that it doesn't just mean the government just giving you lots of money and you're not doing anything with it. You know, I feel like it's just, it doesn't, it's not like people are just being thrown like hundreds and millions of dollars or, or like whatever it is. It's not, UBI isn't necessarily being set up um, in these programs to financially support people like a hundred percent, right? It's right. more of like a supplemental income program um, to give people a leg up, which is what is needed. And and like I said, there's there's so much, with that. So I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Christopher asked like, is that, is that state going to, is the state go, going to count those payments as income for state programs? We're going to get, we'll get into that, Chris. Um, oh, wow. Um, I have no idea. That is a really great question. Yeah. Cause there's, this is actually one of the concerns, right? So for, like, and, well, again, we'll talk about that on the show, but there's, there's like, there's a thing called UBI. And then under that, there's a whole range of things about what they mean. Right. And all like, usually there's like the, the, the uh, devil's in the details, certainly. Um, and I know the Descent magazine did a great breakdown and focus in on some of this stuff about, um, you know, looking at there, there's libertarian versions of UBI, right? Which yeah. we definitely do not want to jump into the Yang gang school with, <laughs> right? Um, and then there's other kind of forms of UBI, which are, which are, you know, don't gut social programs, but are there kind of in addition. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that for. Um, yeah, for there's, there's, there's a lot of nitty gritty with it. Cause it really depends to like where the program is being instituted, who's funding it. Um, and then what the demographic is, right? Like, is it being targeted towards a specific group of people, you know, are there income requirements uh, and stuff like that. So there's definitely, but one of the things, the best thing, and I want to just throw this out there real quick, is that with these programs, there's no work requirements. There's no service project requirements, right? Like these are programs that aren't based on a person's ability to work, whether or not they're deserving of this or not. You know, I hate using that term, but that's like a big right a big thing of like social welfare programs in a lot of states, you know, um, you have a lot of these different requirements in order to get help. And the biggest thing with UBI is th these things aren't necessary, right? Like, cause that's not what's important. What's important is giving people a leg up, right? Uh, and, and this is happening in our most vulnerable communities, you know, the poorest people in our nation. Um, this is happening in the deep South. This is happening in very low income neighborhoods in North Carolina and in California. So Excellent. I'm putting in the show notes right now um, a book um, by uh, Annie Lowry. Um, 
allow let me just finish that up um put it in there it's a book called give people money um how a universal basis income would end poverty revolutionize work and remake the world um so if look people are looking for something to get a uh a sense of it kind of ahead of that discussion it's a really good one she's a journalist and she actually looked at some kind of programs um uh, i don't offer that as kind of like the end-all be-all for that but it is a pretty good introduction to some of the range of things on there and she's covering it kind of as a journalist um and kind of maybe a little bit of an advocate um i i would have some issues with uh some of the ways that she wants to think about it but it's a i think it's a really solid book and she's done some good work on it. So if you want to check that out ahead of our show i'll let you know so definitely cool. there's also two i know i don't know if anyone's familiar with mrs magazine um they have yes. been yeah right it's uh, they have actually been running stories from the magnolia mother's trust um so if anyone's interested in that you should check out mrs magazine 100%. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming back on the show today. I mean, I love talking to you and uh this like, it's like uh, I felt I felt like I feel better at the end of this week now having had this conversation. So I have to say that. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be on. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, hey everybody, uh thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate the comments, man. Kind of major action in the comments today, which is fantastic. Um we look forward to shows coming up. I want to give you a show note coming up on Out to Coop Live is back this week too as well. On Monday, I've got Connor O'Hanlon on the show. Connor is running for uh, PA State House in the 29th District. That's kind of the Doylestown area. He's also ahead of the Doylestown area Democrats. Um, he's coming on the show. We're going to talk about what it means to run as a progressive Democrat in the PA 29th, uh, what his campaign is all about, and uh, what we need to be prioritizing um, what happens in the Pennsylvania State House. So, everybody, uh, thank you for kind of joining in today. I look forward to uh, talking to more. I hope you'll drop in for our show on Monday. That's at 7 p.m. with uh, Connor O'Hanlon. And we'll be back in this chair next Friday with we'll keep that a surprise for now. All right. <laughs> all right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can help support this show by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. Become a patron for a little five bucks a month. Thanks, everybody, for your support. We'll talk to you soon. See ya! Let me try my people come.